Welcome to Putting Up Numbers, the podcast about uniform numbers. Here we break down the stories behind the numbers, talk to the all-time greats that made the number iconic, and give you the last word in greatness, the Uniform Number Hall of Fame. You can also hit us up at puttinupnumbers.com and give us your picks. I'm Tom Davis here in Los Angeles, and joining me in Dallas, he slays all suckers who perpetrate and don't count votes from state to state. <laughs> it's Rudy Klanick. Rudy, what's today's number? Tom, today's number is the number 84. 84. Big time wide receiver number. And we talked to a wide receiver, kick return specialist, and just pretty much the godfather of the end zone celebration, Billy White Shoes Johnson. Really cool, fun interview, man. The guy was he's all comedy. He he Yeah, he's he, he's he crazy, right? For comedy, man. <laughs> he he was uh, he went big on the uh don't look over here, look over here. He was trying to fool us in a couple stories. Yeah. It's really funny. <laughs> Spinning the yarns, telling the tall yeah. tales. He had it all. It, yeah. it was it was great. It was and and of course, awesome. this is another growing up in the 70s and 80s, this is totally a nerd out opportunity for both of us. Yep. As I said in the interview, I did the Billy White Shoes Johnson dance probably daily after oh. coming home from school and playing football in my backyard. So, Oh my gosh. I did that thing in the living room, backyard, <laughs> street. Man, anybody grew up in the 70s was doing the Billy White Shoes Johnson dance. Yeah, it was a cool interview. It was really great to sit down with him, talk a little 84. Of course, he wore 81 as well. Had a run with the Falcons, wore the number 81. But we're going to fixate on 84 because it's, it's quite the football number. Yeah, there's a ton of football guys in number 84 and not much else. So it's a if you're a football <laughs> fan, this is the football podcast for you. But let's get to Billy White Shoes Johnson, shall we? Here's Rudy, myself, and Billy White Shoes Johnson. If you grew up watching football in the 70s and 80s, today's guest was undoubtedly one of your favorite players. Billy White Shoes Johnson played 14 seasons in the NFL for Houston, Atlanta, and Washington, and one year in Canada where he still racked up 1,000 receiving yards, even with the conversion rate. A wide receiver and return specialist, he made young Rudy and I giddy with his famous funky chicken end zone dance. He was also a three-time All-Pro and made the Pro Bowl three times, including winning the MVP of the game in 1975 when he returned to punt 90 yards to the house. He's also a member of the College Football Hall of Fame and the NFL's all-decade teams of the 70s and 80s, and he's a member of the NFL's 75th and 100th anniversary all-time teams. Buckle your chin strap, because here we go again with another boyhood idol, Billy White Shoes Johnson. Welcome to Putting Up Numbers. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you guys having me on. Billy, you came into our living rooms in the 70s wearing number 84 with the Oilers. How did number 84 end up in your locker? Wow. I was glad it did because uh, when I first went to camp, they gave me 46, which I couldn't stand that number. That was my <laughs> running back number in college. What they did, it was an annual deal, the best running back wore number 46 and the best linebacker uh, wore number 44. Uh, that was the uh, tradition. I always wanted 24. You look at the good players, 24, Willie Mays. You look at the basketball players. You can imagine Willie Wood at that time wore 24. Lenny Moore wore number 24, right? 22? Yeah, he was 24 as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So all the, so I, that was my number I wanted. But I was happy to get 84. They thought enough of me to change my jersey and give me 84. I didn't complain because I was never a receiver, so that's fine with me. When you went to Atlanta, you're 81. How, how did that happen? 
Well, 84 is taken at that time. Alfred Jenkins had that number, 84. So it's, it's just a number. But you know, I didn't get upset because it wasn't 24 and I didn't have it. You know, of course, I, I, you know, I thoroughly enjoyed 84, but 81, just as good. It was a receiver's number. I'm easy to please. <laughs> we mentioned it at the top. You can't mention, I don't know how many people mention your name without saying White Shoes Johnson. Tell us how that nickname came about. I think I remember the NFL films about that, but tell us in your your words, how in the heck you got that nickname? The truth? You, you, I mean, tell there's a lot of Here it is. We, can handle, we can handle the Bring truth, it. Billy. Well, well, the truth is, I'm, a, I'm Indian by uh, birth, and my name was meant something about a soothsayer, so White Shoes was my Indian name. They couldn't say it in the natural language of the Indian tongue. So they just called me White Shoes. I don't know who found out about it, but whoever made that lie up told a good one. I'm just lying to you guys. I'll tell you the truth. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, awesome. We're shaking our heads. We're nodding along and like never heard this story. We're breaking news cool. here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this, good. this isn't on Wikipedia. This is not Billy's Wikipedia page. Yeah. <laughs> They're breaking Some of the stuff they come up with is much. But anyway, I uh, awesome. I, I took that. I, it was a dare. It was a challenge that some friends of mine had. And we were on a porch talking one day. They dared me to wear white shoes. And here's what got me. If you think you're so good, why don't you wear white shoes? Just to be different. Just to be different. And they knew at that time the coach that I had, man, he he didn't like any frills and thrills. He he was one of them hard nosed, coal mine region guys. Really a tough tough guy. So when I did that, I went to camp that year, and somehow he never said nothing. You know, the first two days of practice, we were going to make for a scrimmage the next day, and I knew it was a matter of time. He called me over to him, say, "Hey, uh, what's up with the white shoes?" Pretty pretty, pretty tough old bird he was. So. I said, uh, well, they made me run faster. And he said, they're saying I said, okay. So the next thing I scrimmage, it was a good scrimmage for me and a good scrimmage for the team. And he never said anything else. But the name White Shoes came about because of I played against our, form, it was a, they were a formidable foe and they were number one in the county. And uh, they had the leading defense at that time. So I scored like six touchdowns and the newspaper guy, I'll never forget this because I thought it was hokey at first. I'm glad he did it. But Mr. Ed Gebhardt at that time, he was the uh, sports information editor, and he gave me that name. He says, Blazing Billy White Shoes, Scores, blah, blah, blah. And ever since, the name stuck. So I thank him for that. And I thank him till this day when I see him for doing that. It took me a while to get used to it, but once they did, it was fine. So all they call me is shoes now, which that's what I answer to. <laughs> that's awesome. Awesome. <laughs> I like the I like the origin story back yeah. to your Native American roots too. I, I, like, go I, I can one. tell you some stories about that one. But <laughs> Billy, I, I don't know if you know this or not, but I was a really good player in my backyard back in the day. And from probably age about seven till about ten. I probably scored conservative number, maybe like 450 <laughs> touchdowns. And after every one of them, I did the Billy White Shoes Johnson funky chicken dance. How did that dance evolve for you? How did that come up? And then you you added parts to it, right? So then you were Correct. doing the splits and then you're doing the fake pass. How did all that come together? 
again on a dare playing a rival ball club of ours. You know how you get in the locker room, talk to your friend, convincing and doing all kind of crazy talk. And I said, well, if I score, I'm going to dance. And you know how it is. And guys, oh, yeah, you're just talking out your neck. And you go in there and uh, uh, you score. And I said, oh, shoot. I wasn't really going to do it. I'm just talking wild. But when it happened, I had to be true to my word. So I started dancing. And, and, and it was fun because they were always – so what you going to do this? And I didn't do anything. Well, I did do different things, but we were having fun and it was never, ever meant to denigrate anyone, to uh, poke fun at anyone. It was just fun, just fun for our team and for our fans. So that's how it started. Did you ever get flagged for a dance? Did you ever get a 15-yard penalty on any of your dances? One time. Okay. One time we were in a close game against the Broncos and I scored and uh, I danced and danced said, hey, you can't do it anymore because, uh, number one, he didn't mind the flag as much. But Nick was one of my better kickers, and he was hurt. He had a groin injury and flagged me that day. That's the only time when Nick was hurting, and that's the only time I did it. But what I did, I went if I, when I scored, I would step outside the boundaries and dance. As long as I wasn't on the field, they couldn't flag me. So that's what I would do. I only had one penalty. Now with the Bronco game, we lost by about two points or three points like that. Not because I danced, mind you. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. No kidding. Well, your dance and other dances kind of led the NFL to, you know, become the no fun league and start penalizing everybody. They, they've really relented in the last couple of years, and it's been a lot more fun. I, I pretty much know your opinion on this, but... Your opinion is let them go, right? Let them have some fun. Exactly. Exactly. You know, the old traditionalists, you know, they wouldn't do that. And that's fine. But I think the NFL is about, you know, finances. And this only enhances their financial status or letting people entertain the fans. I mean, you don't want to go above and beyond. But I think it's fun. It's great for the home team. And now, you know, sometimes I think they have come to expect that. So, Billy, you're currently the only member of the NFL's 75th anniversary all-time team who's not in the Hall of Fame. What does the Hall of Fame mean to you at at this point? Can't you see my big crocodile tears? You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's it's great, and you know, it'd be nice. But hey, life goes on. I'm happy to have played the game for as long as I did, had the success that I had. I have no regrets. But if it happens, man, I'd be I'd be the, the happiest person in the world. And if they're gonna do it, do it while I'm living. Don't 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 allow me when I'm dead. So what? <laughs> no posthumous honors. Hey. What was that like, Billy? The the whole Love You Blue era and all that stuff that was happening. What was that oh, like? Man, it's you know, it's it's one of those teams, it's one of those times you know how teams get hot and you say, okay, for a season, but we were hot like that for about five or six years. And it was really a, a phenomenon then having had gone prior to me getting there two back-to-back seasons of one in 13, that's when they played 14 games and then coming down there and people just took hold. And of course it helped to have somebody at the helm like Bum Phillips that people, he was an everyday guy. You could talk to him, you could approach him. You know, people off the streets would stop him and he'd take the time out. But it was it was fantastic. It really was a good time. 
Well, we talked about a little bit before we got on the air, but tell us uh, what Billy White Shoes Johnson is doing and how we can keep you in our lives on a daily basis, we hope. But tell us what you're doing and uh, how people can get in touch with you if they're interested in, in kind of tracking you down. I don't know if you know this or not, but I've uh, just today just found out that I'm a, a state senator now. And uh, no, I'm lying. Let me stop that because this is a bad time to be joking about <laughs> politics. So <laughs> <laughs> let me stop. No, I, I'm busier now. I'm busy going. Why I don't know than when I was <laughs> supposed to be working, holding the job down, which was fun. And I'm still being involved with my grandchildren. Well, I'm the biggest thing is with my grandchildren and still coaching uh, some football, uh, going clinics and doing the training. Well, not since the COVID, but uh, in coaching uh, high school track and football. Outstanding. Well, Absolutely. Billy, speaking for Rudy and for myself, you're one of my favorite players growing up, man. I can't tell you how exciting it is to, to meet you, and we appreciate the time that you spent, and we wish you all the best. Thank you very much. Well, thank you, Tom, and thank you, Rudy. And Tom, I noticed you hadn't been a Dodger fan. Actually, Rudy is a Dodger fan. Oh, I'm a, a Cardinal fan, fan, and I grew up in the Midwest, huge but anyway. Yeah, so Rudy, Rudy's a huge you're Dodger fan. You're a good man. man, but I thought maybe you might have been, you know, been in that era with Tommy Davis, Willie Davis. Yeah, and, yeah. All those good Dodger fans. So I know. You know what I'm talking about. He might not know. He might be a little too young. So. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I feel I feel all those Dodgers. I was at Game Six, and it was in my backyard. It was here. Oh, yeah. It was here. Yeah, I know you were ecstatic, weren't you? That was yeah, cool. That, that was fun. Me, that, such a such an odd such an odd uh, such an odd occurrence that you're going to watch your favorite team, your LA Dodgers, play Tampa Bay in Arlington. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a good series, though. I really yeah. did. I, I, I enjoyed it. I, oh, yeah. you know, a lot of times it's kind of lopsided, but there was, a lot, there was a lot of action. So I was happy to see that. Senator Billy White Shoes Johnson, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you go. I know thanks. I know Thanksgiving is a. T- I know Thanksgiving is a touchy time for you. So see that coming. Yeah. Holy cow. <laughs> Good. He got me. I deserve that. So. <laughs> thank you, guys. Man. Appreciate it. Really, thank you. We awesome. appreciate okay. it. All right, man. Take All right, care. Bye, bye. All right. Bye-bye. Our thanks to Billy White Shoes Johnson. Rudy, it seems like being Billy White Shoes Johnson is a pretty good gig, yeah? Man, I want to be Billy White Shoes Johnson, your state senator. You're, uh, <laughs> you know, you're proud of your Native American roots. Uh, we had a lot of a lot going on with him, but uh, overall... We really did. Guy's in a good mood. I like guys in a good mood. That's awesome. Yeah, it seems like he's pretty much in a good mood all the time and enjoys life. And it was really yeah, cool to, to meet him fun. for sure. Let's dive into number 84, and I'll start with hockey. There's only two guys. Our sentimental favorite is a gentleman named Mikhail Grabowski. He took number 84 in 2008 with Toronto. He also wore 84 with the Capitals and Islanders. Injuries hampered his career, but he is kind of a fan favorite in the places that he played. The contender, eh, maybe he's an honorable mention guy, Guillaume Latendresse. He was the first player in NHL history to wear number 84, and it was the last number, incidentally, Rudy, between 1 and 99 that had never been worn in a regular season NHL game. So he put it on and did so for four years with the Canadians before moving on to Minnesota and Ottawa and numbers 48 and 73, respectively. Uh, He averaged 21 points per season 
while wearing number 84. So those are our two hockey guys. Who do we have in basketball? Well, we just have a couple, kind of like hockey. We've got the sentimental favorite, Ron Baker. He's the only other NBA player to wear number 84. So there's only two guys that wore 84. He only wore it for four games with the Wizards in 2019. And he wore it because 84 was the average of the birth years for the five members of his family. What the heck? Um, He's doing math here. Come on, man. Come on, Ron Baker. That's pretty deep. (laughs) Uh, Well, speaking of deep, our contender in basketball, and probably not really a contender, but Mace Edwards Christopher Weber III, whoa, my man, wore 84 for one season with the Pistons in 2007 because his nephew had had a dream that he hit a buzzer beater while wearing that number. Now, that's crazy. Uh, (laughs) He only played 43 games for Detroit before he signed with Gold State as a free agent in 2008 when he played just nine games before calling it quits for good. Chris Weber could play a little basketball. Obviously, it was a big big name uh, all over, but especially in the Detroit Ann Arbor area where he played for the Fab Five. Wearing that 84, that's quite the story about throwing on 84, man. Yeah, I don't remember him at all wearing number 84. The only thing I really remember about Chris Weber's NBA career is it never seemed he was happy wherever he was. He always wanted to get out of wherever it was he was playing. He played with us, you know, he played with a bad, bad look on his face. He kind of played in an era with a lot of guys and had a lot of attitudes, and most of those attitudes were bad. <laughs> you know, he, <laughs> and he's a great player. He was one of the best power forwards in his era, period. He started falling in love with his three point shot and just quit working to rebound because he was getting his ass kicked so much. He wasn't happy in any of his stops in the NBA. Jalen, Apparently hates him. I mean, things aren't going great for Chris, but he wore 84 for one season. So we're mentioning him here. We got a couple baseball guys. We got two hockey, we got two basketball, and we have two baseball. So let's talk about those guys. First off is Prince Fielder, who has the unofficial title of the fattest vegetarian in history. (laughs) He wore number 84 for three seasons with the Rangers after wearing 28 with the Brewers and Tigers. He wore number 84 because that was the year he was born, Rudy. Uh, And that was also the year that both you and I graduated from high school. Bingo. He's the player who wore 84 for the longest time in Major League Baseball history, and he's the only one to make an all-star game appearance in that number. Yeah, and Prince Fielder also is the all-time leader in home runs in the Arlington Youth Baseball Association. Really? Yeah, so Prince... They keep records of that. (laughs) Prince grew up in Arlington. (laughs) Obviously, his dad, the famous Cecil Fielder. Prince is built like a 64 Chevy. I mean, he's huge. (laughs) Um, And and hit some bombs. It was a terrible signing. It ended up being a terrible signing for the Rangers because he got hurt. But but I like Prince Fielder. I like watching him play baseball. I like fat guys playing baseball. It's funny. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and the whole vegetarian thing, I never sort of quite sussed out exactly what that was because he was, you know, I'm all health all the time and whatever. It's like, dude, you weigh 285 pounds. Like, come on. (laughs) What are you doing? (laughs) But uh, anyway, so Prince Fielder is on the list, as is J.T. Snow. No one in Major League Baseball history had worn 
number 84 until J.T. Snow threw it on in 2006 with the Red Sox to honor his father, Jack, who we'll talk about later on. Jack was a wide receiver with the Rams and he passed away in 2006. So J.T. put on that number to honor his father. Uh, He's also most known for wearing number six, which he did with the Giants and the Angels for a very long time. And he was an eight time gold glover at first base. So J.T. Snow and Prince Fielder are two baseball guys, which brings us to football. And Rudy, we've got an absolute rogues gallery of football guys. So why don't you start us off? Let's get going with Bob Trumpy. Ten years with the Bengals as a tight end, four-time pro bowler, good player, um, but really well, more well-known for being a broadcaster. He called four Super Bowls for NBC and yeah, we grew up with that guy, you know. I mean, I knew he played, but I don't remember him playing at all. I remember him being in the booth forever. Bob Trumpy is uh, part of our sentimental favorite group, and you've got the next one. No, I've got the next one. It's Webster Slaughter. Webster Slaughter. Yeah. Great name, by the way. Webster Slaughter, yeah, man. Really Number good, 84 man. with the Browns, Oilers, and Chargers. Played for 12 years. Who else we got? Uh, we've got TJ Hushmanzada, nice. the longest last name in NFL history, uh, ironically beating wow. out fellow number 84, Michael Ho'omanawanawi. Say that three times fast. That is incredible you, work on your yeah. part, both of those. Thank you. Thank, thank you very much. I'll uh, be signing autographs in the lobby. He wore number 84, TJ did, with the Bengals, Seahawks, Ravens, and Raiders, was a very productive receiver, especially from 2004 to 2009, where he averaged 88 catches and nearly 1,000 yards a season. His 112 catches in 2007 is one of the top 30 seasons ever by a wide receiver. So TJ Hushmanzada gets a mention, as does Michael Ho'o Manawanawi. Moving on to, we have a college guy. This is the only college guy on the list, and it's Jerry Robinson. Jerry Robinson played linebacker at UCLA, wearing number 84. He was a three-time All-American. He played for 13 years in the NFL with the Eagles and Raiders, where he did not wear number 84. But he is also a member of the College Football Hall of Fame, and his number 84 is retired in Westwood. Who else do we have as the honorable mention guys? Well, we've got eight honorable mention guys. I'm going to knock off four of them. This is a good list. Javon Walker wore 84 with three teams, uh, Packers, Broncos, and the Raiders. Good couple season run, 1,000-yard receiver. You mentioned earlier, maybe the more famous 84 is Jack Snow. I think I had a really chintzy Sears and Roebuck 84 Rams jersey when I was a kid. I I didn't realize he finished fifth in the Heisman voting. He was a split end at Notre Dame in 1964. He was also the team's punter. Yeah. He played 11 seasons in the NFL, all with the Rams, earned a reputation for being a deep threat for Roman Gabriel. <laughs> what a great name. Roman Gabriel, yeah. uh, longtime quarterback for the Rams. He later was a broadcaster and had uh, passed away, as, as you mentioned earlier, at the age of 62, young man of a staph infection. So Jack Snow, Javon Walker are two of our honorable mentions. Take us up the list a little bit. Sure. We've got Gene Washington, uh, but not that Gene Washington, not the VP of the NFL who wow. used to announce the late round picks in the NFL draft. The other Gene Washington, this guy played for the Minnesota Vikings and was also on the first fully integrated college football team at Michigan State, along with Bubba Smith and others. Gene Washington is a member of the College Football Hall of Fame. He was a first round pick of the Vikings in 1967, was an All-Pro and a two-time Pro Bowler, and is considered one of the 50 greatest players in Vikings history. Brent Jones is another one. 
Uh, he played 11 years and won three Super Bowls with the 49ers. After retiring, he started an investment firm, incidentally, with former teammates Mark Harris, Tommy Vardell, and a little-known guy named Steve Young. So huh. Brent Jones, who was on our TV seemingly constantly back in the day when the 49ers were good. Uh, Brent Jones is on the list. Who else do we have? Well, we got another one. They played against Brent Jones, uh, Jay Novacek. Fantastic yep. tight end for the Cowboys during their three Super Bowl wins. Another 84 on our honorable mention list is Joey Galloway. You'll see Joey pretty much every weekend as a college football analyst for ESPN. But before that, he was quite the receiver for Ohio State and for the Seattle uh, Seahawks. 15 of his 16 NFL seasons, he wore 84, six 1,000-yard seasons. But he never made a Pro Bowl. How about that? Joey Galloway's got to be pretty bitter about that. Who are our last two? And one of them is a absolute favorite of mine to scream at the TV about. The other thing that we need to mention before we move on is Joey Galloway is the softest receiver in the history oh, of wow. the NFL. Okay. All Unbelievable. Right. I mean, just... Just, I never understood why this guy was making the money that he was making. I never oh, understood why tough. teams were uh, coveting him the way they were. Softest receiver well, in NFL con- history. He's also considered one of probably the top five worst trades or signings. I think he was. I think it was a trade that the Cowboys made to get Joey Galloway, the big deep threat. And never, obviously, it didn't work to what he or where they where Jerry Jones thought it would. But yeah, Joey Galloway is kind of a bad name around the Dallas Fort Worth area, only because it was filled with misery and heartache since they hadn't been to the Super Bowl since 1995. But, but go ahead, <laughs> go forward. Well, speaking of misery and heartbreak, Antonio Brown who is now wearing number 81 with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and wore 17 with the New England Patriots. He wore 17 because that's the number his father wore in the NFL. But his best years and the ones before he lost his mind completely came in the nine seasons that he wore number 84 for the Steelers. In those years, he led the NFL in receptions and yards two times, was named All-Pro four times, was named to the All-Decade team of the 2010s decade. He hasn't played significantly since 2018, and we'll see what he has left in the tank now that he's playing with Tom Brady and staying at Tom Brady's house, incidentally. I think Tom Brady can get him under control. They're good. He wants to win, and then he can get the big contract maybe next year and still keep playing, but... Obviously, when he's going well, he's the perfect guy for for Tom Brady. Yeah, he can play when he has his head on right. We just don't know when or if that's going to happen. The last guy on the honorable mention list is Roddy White. He had six 1,000-yard seasons in 11 years with the Falcons. He retired at age 33, but is inducted into the Falcons' ring of honor as of last season. So Roddy White and Antonio Brown round out that honorable mention list, which brings us to the contender list. And this is a pretty loaded list, don't you think, Rudy? That's a great list. Yeah, we've got, what, five contenders, all of them just top-notch receivers. Uh, We've got our favorite, Billy White, Johnson in here. Of course. You know, of course he's on this list. But uh, let me me kick it off with Herman Moore. Herman Moore was a was a favorite of mine. I'm a closet Lions fan. I think I do it because I love the Honolulu Blue. He preceded Calvin Johnson. So, yes, I think he is the best receiver not named Calvin Johnson in, in Lions history. Four straight 1,000-year seasons. Uh, second player in NFL history to have three straight 100-catch seasons. Herman Moore was a solid, solid citizen for the Detroit Lions. And yeah, never never won a playoff game, of course. Uh, no, never. <laughs> uh, never. Like anybody that played for the Lions. Billy White Shoes Johnson, 
I think he would rank in our top three interviews yeah. that we've done. I mean, that was, it was short, but funny as hell. And he was like, so nice. He's sitting in his, looked like his kids, uh, like a grandchild's room or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was in his, <laughs> and it looked like a classroom, didn't it? I mean, they had, it looked like a had, classroom. Uh, multiplication <laughs> tables on the wall and spelling words and the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, this kid is going to school. Like this kid's yeah. going to cure cancer there's, or something. There, there's a lot of stuff going on behind him. Room Raider would have given him high, high rating, I think. But, uh, you know, he's on our list of contenders for sure. Um, man, a late 15th round. Think about that. 15th round pick. 15th round. Houston yeah. Oiler. 15th rounds my god he made the team as a return guy uh certainly electrified crowds with the famous funky chicken end zone dance billy white shoes johnson's on our contender list if nothing else because he's awesome he's yep. just an awesome he was in a great dude. mood and that counts for me so that's right, that's right. Uh, billy white shoes johnson's on the list as is gary clark no relation to blues rock musician gary clark jr uh but it's always a good time to play gary clark jr whenever you get the chance gary clark wore number 84 for the redskins cardinals and your miami dolphins rudy he won two super bowls and scored two touchdowns in each of those super bowl wins he had five 1000 yard seasons and led his team in receiving in seven of his 11 nfl seasons he is 39th in NFL history in career receiving yardage and is one of the 50 players to have more than 10,000 receiving yards in a career. He's also the first player from James Madison to have his number retired. The Dukes retired number 80 in honor of Gary Clark, who was a very undersized guy who did a lot with the ability that he had. Speaking of ability, Randy Moss is on the list. 21st overall out of Marshall in 1998. He wore 18 throughout training camp with the Vikings and then switched to number 84, which is the number that he wore for 10 of his 14 professional seasons. He also wore 18 again, and he wore 81. He played with the Vikings, Raiders, Patriots, Titans, and 49ers, and was as electrifying as any whiteout in the history of the game. Unfortunately, he also admitted to taking plays off and maybe not playing as hard as he should all the time, but he still set a then-rookie record with 17 touchdowns his rookie year and was named Rookie of the Year for that. In 2007, he set an NFL record with 23 touchdowns while with the hated Patriots, making you wonder what Tom Brady's career numbers would have been if he hadn't spent his entire career throwing it to five, nine white guys. But nonetheless, he had a great career. He also had an interception when he was playing with New England against the Broncos. They put him in as a defensive back at the end of a first half of a game, and he picked off a pass. So Randy Moss could do almost anything. He's in the Hall of Fame, as he should be. So Randy Moss is on the list, which leaves us with one other guy. Who you got? Shannon Sharp. Shannon wore number 84 for 10 of his 14 Hall of Fame seasons. Breakout season for Shannon came in 1982 when he changed his number. So he had good luck. When he changed his number from 81 to 84, caught 53 passes. This guy was a four-time Pro Bowler, won three Super Bowls. One of those Super Bowls, he was in number 82 when he won it with the uh, Ravens. He's a member of the All-Decade team in the 90s, inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2011, and is now half of the most annoying duo in sports TV history. Thank you, Skip Bayless. (laughs) 
but I kind of dig Shannon Sharp. He's, he's a good dude. He seems like a funny dude. I've, I've heard him on some long form interviews and I, I liked his personality better there than I ever do on that stupid show. Man, he was a good player. I guess he was an H back. Really? He wasn't a tight end. He wasn't a, a receiver. He just got open and scored touchdowns. I mean, the guy was, was good. Guy was awesome. Yeah. He kind of came out. Remember it was, it was sort of weird when he came out because they thought he was too small to be a tight end and kind of too big to be a wide receiver. So he, you know, kind of was neither fish nor foul as it relates to having a position, but the dude could play the, play the game for sure. And obviously he ended up in the hall of fame. So uh, he's been rewarded for that. So those are our contenders for the number 84, which brings us Rudy to your favorite segment, which is screen stars. Absolutely. Screen stars. So these are people who wore number 84 in sports movies or movies of any kind or television shows for that matter. We have two people here, Rudy. One is the aforementioned Jack Snow, who was in the movie Heaven Can Wait in 1978. He didn't play Jack Snow, even though he was on the Rams and wore number 84. He played a guy named Cassidy. I don't know why he was Cassidy and not Jack Snow, but nonetheless, he was in that movie. He also played himself in one episode of Bewitched with your girl Elizabeth Montgomery, who was quite attractive back in the day. But number one on the Screen Stars list is Mike Lookinland. And you probably don't know who Mike Lookinland is, but when I say Bobby Brady from the Brady Bunch... You know exactly who Mike Lookinland is, and he wore number 84 in one episode of the show in 1973 when, speaking of white shoes, Joe Namath came to him in a dream, and they played football in the backyard, and it sounded something like this. Okay, Joe, we've only got time for one more play, and we need six big ones to win. This is it, Joe. You mean the bomb? The bomb. Okay, on two. So there you have it. Jack Snow and Mike Lookinland. That is Screen Stars for number 84, which brings us, Rudy, to the Derek Rose Award and the Hall of Shame. Let's do the Derek Rose Award first, and I'll do the first one. The first one is Sterling Sharp, as we mentioned before, the brother of Shannon Sharp. He was taken by the Packers seventh overall in the 1988 draft, and he set franchise records in his second season with the Packers with 90 catches for 1,400 yards and 12 touchdowns, making him the best receiver in the NFL not named Jerry Rice. When Brett Favre finally took over the starting job in 1992. Sharp became the sixth player in NFL history to win the receiving triple crown with 108 catches, which also broke the NFL's single season record at the time. He continued to dominate with a 112 catch season in 1993 and 18 touchdowns in 94. Unfortunately, a severe neck injury forced him to retire at 29, which was right before Brett Favre won two Super Bowls and three straight MVPs. So a lot of people think that Sterling Sharp may have been one of the greatest receivers in the history of the game if he had just put up some average numbers and played maybe five or six more years. So Sterling Sharp is one of our Derek Rose Award nominees, but not the top guy on the list. Who is the top guy on the list, Rudy? The top guy on our list is Daryl Stingley. Yeah. Anybody that grew up in the 70s watching NFL football remembers the hit. Jack Tatum's Vicious shot on Stingley, uh, paralyzed him. He was a really good player for the Patriots. First round pick out of Purdue. 110 receptions in his first 
five seasons. And then in a preseason game, 1978, Tatum's hit made him a quadriplegic. The injury was obviously horrible. It also came right after he finished negotiating a contract. It would have made him one of the highest paid receivers in the game. The contract was never signed. Man, Stingley died in 2007 at the age of 55. His grandson, Derek Stingley Jr., is currently a cornerback at LSU and a really good one. We'll see him in the NFL in the very near future. So there'll be a Stingley in the NFL very soon. But that's a tragic story. Yeah. Horrible end to his career, changed his life, obviously. And they're protecting guys now more. I mean, Tatum's thrown out of that game and fined for sure. Probably never plays in the NFL today, Jack Tatum. Who knows? Oh, God. They throw the book. They throw the building at him if he does that today. Yeah. When your nickname's the assassin, I don't know if that nickname would be politically correct today. Do you think? (laughs) No, there's no way in the world that there would be an assassin on the field today. But that brings us to the Hall of Shame, Rudy. And I'll take this one. (laughs) Zeke Moat. Zeke Moad, who played eight years at tight end, seven of them wearing number 84 for the Giants. He scored two touchdowns in the Giants' Super Bowl victory in 1986, but he's maybe best known for what he did when he was wearing 81 for one season with the Patriots. He was fined $12,500 by the NFL for exposing himself in the locker room to a female reporter. Nice. Nicely done, Zeke Moat. Even though you weren't wearing 84 at the time, we're going to give you the Hall of Shame honor for number 84. So that moves us then, Rudy, to the heat check. And these are guys that are currently wearing number 84. And we've got five guys on the list. Why don't you start at number five and we'll work our way to number one? Yep, we got Cameron Bright. Anybody who went to Harvard and is in the NFL... He's a heat check for sure. And he also forced Antonio Brown to choose another number because he's number 84 with the Buccaneers. So yeah, aw- awesome job, Cameron Bright. We also have John Curtis. That is two S's at the end, if you're spelling at home. Bounced around the Twins and Angels before going to the, the Rays, your American League Championship Rays, wearing number 84. That's a really crazy number for a pitcher, but I like it. I like it. He was 3-0 with two saves this year and also was a winning pitcher of that nutty Game 4 of the World Series. Thank you, Kenley Jensen. That was the game <laughs> Tampa won 8-7 to on a walk-off base hit by the last guy in the Little bench. league performance by, yeah. in, the, in the field by the Dodgers. Yeah, um, yeah not great. Kenley Jansen yeah. not only gives up the hit but then doesn't decides not to cover his position and back up the catcher, you know, all that kind of stuff, but whatever Dodgers won. It's all good. It's all good. Randy Rosarena scores the winning run. He's not good enough to play for the Cardinals. That's right. Because he's not, he's not Harrison Bader who strikes out 400 times a game. Anyway, moving on Irv Smith jr. Currently wearing Randy Moss's number 84 with the Vikings. And Randy has not been happy about anyone wearing his number 84. Although several people have since he left Minnesota, he had a nice rookie year with 36 catches for 300 yards. His father, Irv Smith senior wore number 82 as a tight end with the saints 49ers and Browns in the nineties. So why Irv Smith senior and Irv Smith jr. Couldn't get together on a number. I don't know, but nonetheless, (laughs) number two on the list is Jack Doyle, who is now in his eighth season as a tight end with the Colts. He had a career high 80 receptions as a tight end in 2017, which brings us to number one, Rudy, who we have as the number one heat check guy for number 84. Well, we've got Cordero 
Patterson. He pissed off Randy Moss that he wore 84 with the Vikings. He also wore the number in Oakland, New England, and now Chicago. I don't know. He's a three-time pro bowler. Maybe I'm bitter because I think I drafted him a couple seasons ago, and it just didn't work out for me, and that's all that matters. But he's on our list. He's number one on our heat checklist. Is he number one on our heat checklist? I mean, don't you think? one on the heat check. I mean, who else should be number one on the heat checklist? What do you think? I mean, come on. 80 receptions. 80 receptions. Okay, let's give it to Jack Doyle. We'll not, or Daryl Patterson, clean out your locker. You're not number one. You're number two. Jack Doyle, you have been elevated to the first chair, number one position. Good job out of you. Let's go to the Hall of Fame. There you go. Let's See go how we do this? We just, we just work the throat here. It's all about Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go to the Hall of Fame. I'll start off with Billy White Shoes Johnson. The end zone dance alone, Rudy, gets him on the list. But he's also a member, as we mentioned, of the College Football Hall of Fame and the all-decade teams of the 70s and 80s and the NFL's 75th and 100th anniversary all-time teams. He's not yet in the Hall of Fame. Not sure he's going to get in the Hall of Fame, but he is going to get on our Hall of Fame list at number five. Member of the Fun Bunch, Gary Clark. This was a tough one. He edged out Herman Moore. Um, Herman Moore was six foot four. Yep. Clark was five foot nine. Yep. You got to give it to Clark, man. He did a lot with a little. Um, he's a member of the Washington Ring of Honor, first receiver to catch at least 50 passes in his first 10 seasons. And if you count the two seasons he played in the USL with Jacksonville, he's one of the, he's, he's really one of the most productive receivers of his era. And uh, like I said, Part of the fun bunch. I like the fun bunch. Um, didn't care about the Washington football team that much, but the fun bunch was a bunch of five foot nine guys that could all play. So, um, and they won a Super Bowl. So that was good for them. Sterling Sharp is number three on the list, though he played only eight years when he retired. Only three players averaged more receiving yards per game, and only eight had more career receptions and touchdowns than Sterling Sharp did. Remember, Brett Favre would go on to win the next three MVP awards, and he hadn't really fully come into his own when Sterling Sharp, unfortunately, had to retire. If you're projecting numbers and you think he's going to be just a little bit less than average as he gets into his 30s, he still might have finished second all-time in receptions, yards, and touchdowns behind Jerry Rice. So Sterling Sharp is on the list for or what he did and what he probably could have done. But he's number three on the list. Who's number two? Well, his younger brother, Shannon Sharp, is number two. Seventh round pick, afterthought pick out of Savannah State. Became one of the greatest, uh, let's call them tight ends, receivers. Doesn't matter. Caught a ton of passes. All-time leader in catches, yards, touchdowns by a tight end. He wore number two in college, just like his brother. He's a great player, gritty guy, go get to tough, tough yards. Um, there's only one guy on this list that's better than Shannon Sharp. I think we all know who that is. But tell us all that you can about the greatness of Randy Moss. He coined the phrase straight cash, homie, which is a phrase that I love to say all the time. He said that in reference to paying a fine. But anyway, he was a four-time All-Pro, member of the All-Decade team of the 2000s, and the also a member of the NFL's 100th anniversary all-time team. He was enshrined in Canton in 2018. He is still the 15th all-time leading receiver in the NFL. He's fourth in career yards, second in touchdowns. He's now an analyst, and he's not so bad at that. Uh, His son Thaddeus won a national championship at LSU and is currently on IR with the Washington 
football team. So Randy Moss is number one on the list. So let's run it down five to one. Billy White choose Johnson at number five. Gary Clark, number four. Sterling Sharp, number three. Shannon Sharp, number two. And Randy Moss, number one for number 84. What do you think about that list, Rudy? That's a great list, man. If you're a quarterback, you love that list. Those guys could go get it. Tough yardage. Certainly a heavy, heavy football number. We had one guy we didn't put in. He doesn't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame, but he's just a favorite of mine, and that's Bill Stanfield. Huh. Played defensive uh, defensive end for the Dolphins, and I just want to mention Bill Stanfield because you know he played on an undefeated team, Tom. And and as a Dolphin fan, we have to mention every year that we had an undefeated team. So I just wanted to get that in. Bill Stanfield, my apologies for leaving you off the list. And while we're just throwing out random names of people who were number eighty four, Brian Bashnagel, who played for <laughs> the Chicago Bears. Nice. Well, anyway, our <laughs> Thanks to Billy White Shoes Johnson, who appeared with us, courtesy of the Texas Bowl. Rudy, tell us more about the Texas Bowl. So the Texas Bowl, we've been working at Dave Campbell's been working with the Texas Bowl for several years. They're actually a big partner of Mr. Yeah. Texas Football, which is the best high school football player, kind of high school Heisman in the state of Texas. So that's a big deal. As part of the Texas Bowl, they have a group called the Gridiron Legends. And those guys, they really honor players that made an impact on the high school level, college level, and a level. Uh, Billy is a no-brainer for that group. And obviously he is a legend, yeah. uh, especially in our minds now sure. after that great interview. But yeah, well, thanks to David Fletcher and the gang at the Texas Bowl for helping connect the dots and get Billy on our show. And uh, hopefully we'll get some more of these guys. It's, it's a great list. A lot of guys that doing some good stuff in the community as well. So um, thanks again to the boys down in Houston and uh, Look forward to your bowl game coming up as well. Excellent. Well, thanks to David Fletcher. And remember, as our first season is winding down, if you're enjoying the podcast, or, or even if you're not, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and all of that good stuff on your favorite podcast app of choice. We do appreciate it. We'll be back soon with another edition. Until then, I'm Tom Davis. And I'm Rudy Klenick. And we'll see you next time on Putting Up Numbers.